All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. Uh, we are back once again. Once again, we are not letting the virus stop us from talking about the books we love and the things that we care about. We are here once again for an amazing episode of Panel to Panel. Don't forget that you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I said Apple. <laughs> Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, we, I, I, are we on iHeart yet? Because I, I sent the iHeart radio application in like two weeks ago. I think Lord Grounds, Lord Grounds is on iHeart, but I don't think we are yet. Okay, because like I, I, like I sent um, panel to panel on uh, living on the edge the day after, so like I don't know if they're in yet, but like we're working on it, and I, I'm waiting. I'm we're still in the review process for Pandora, so like those are a work in process. Um, but you can check us out on those different platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. You can check out the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And you can check out the website every weekday for brand new content like reviews, previews, solicitations, and more. So we're going to go ahead and dive straight into this. But before we do, my name, as you might know, but if you listen to this podcast regularly, is James Portis. To my left, we have the man who is somehow not dead with his giant afro. Hanging out in California, Mr. Travis Tucker. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Don't let him saying California changes anything. I'm not near the coast. That's where the cool people are. The rest is awful. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then we have the amazing woman who busted her ass getting to, uh, tonight's podcast together. Um, she is not going to let the virus stop her from being a badass. We have Mary. How you doing today? I have a glass of Glenlivet and I am fine. <laughs> Hey, I feel it. I got I got my Stella Artois cider ready to go. We're going to have us a good evening. We are going to de-stress, talk about a, a topic that is amazing for us all, and I'm going to have a good time. So, uh, Mary, I'm going to let you kick it on in, and let's get it started. Okay. Well, we decided that it might be a little fun since, you know, um, International Women's Day was a few days back, and, you know, we meant to do this episode earlier, but then I got the flu, and nobody wants to hear that, you know. Just keep no. keep a bucket next to me and just throw up while recording. No, nobody wants to hear that. So we decided um, to push it off. We thought it would be fun to kind of revisit it tonight. And I think it would be fun to have kind of a roundtable discussion with a few history lessons peppered without <clears throat> peppered throughout. Excuse me, but. Um, because, you know, women who are far smarter than I have done um, great uh, deep dives into the history of, you know, women creating comic books. There's an excellent podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class. They are phenomenal. I listened to them while doing the dishes. They did a great two-parter about women in comics, and I definitely think you should check it out. And they are much smarter than I am. So I have a glass of scotch, and we're just going to talk it. We're just going to talk about it. Let's go. Now, there are two women that I do want to point out before we really get into things, is that um, 
and you know we're gonna we're kind of gonna keep this limited to the American comic book industry. So you know, within the foundational framework of the big two, not strictly the big two, but but you know what I mean when I say American comic books. Yeah. But um, women have been involved since the beginning of the Golden Age. We have uh, Dorothy Woolfolk, and with my stutter, it is real difficult to say that. Um, was the is largely credited as the first woman in the American comic book industry. Uh, she started at one of the companies that became that united to become DC. And in historical moments like this, I do just refer to it as DC because that's just easier because you have national than the other. So I just typically refer to it as DC. So if somebody wants to try and fact check me, you know, here is that disclaimer for you. But she started it as started it started as an editor at uh, DC in the early forties, and she's actually credited uh, with the uh, created the framework for Kryptonite. She she thought that uh, Superman's invulnerability was kind of dull, and suggested that it would be more interesting if perhaps he suffered adverse effects. Um, from a fragment of his home planet. And then a little while later, we saw the introduction of kryptonite as we know it. So that's kind of a little fun tidbit of how, you know, they kind of helped build these things. And she eventually left to work at Timely for a little while, which, um, if you don't know, Timely would later become Marvel Comics as we know it but ended up returning to DC sometime in the 70s. And, you know, she worked on Wonder Woman. She worked on Supergirl, uh, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, some of the romance comics. So she came back to DC years later and kind of continued that. And the other woman that I want to mention tonight is uh, Joy Murchison Kelly, or Joy Hummel, as I usually refer to her. Uh, That's a name you might not have heard before. She was, um, she probably is the most important woman in comics that you've never heard of. (laughs) She was the first woman to write Wonder Woman. She was a student of William Malton Marston, Wonder Woman's creator, and ended up ghostwriting several, several issues uh, when Marston was sick and dying, because Marston died in 1947. So she ghostwrote issues of Wonder Woman from 1944 to his death in 1947. And she remained uncredited for decades. I mean, her, her name just completely disappeared after Marston died. And um, actually won <clears throat> the Bill Finger Award at San Diego Comic-Con in 2018. And uh, she will be 90, 96 here in a few weeks. I think April 4th was her birthday. is her birthday. And um, there's actually a great little video... Um, from one of the newspapers from 2018 where she kind of, you know, she talks about it and, you know, she talks about how much she loves Wonder Woman and what Marston wanted to do with Wonder Woman. And I made the guys watch it beforehand just to kind of... We'll include the notes. Yeah, we'll include that. But it's just kind of... You can just see how much it meant to her because in the video she talks about winning the Bill Finger Award as being like winning an Academy Award for her. And I think it is it was such a great moment to see a woman get the recognition she deserves for helping to create the framework for a character that's still here <coughs> five years later. I mean, we know the legendary names like Flo Steinberg, Louise Simonson, Gail Simone, all the others. We know those names. But I think these were just two women from the various earliest, earliest years of the Golden Age that I thought would be fun to mention. I mean, I knew about I knew about uh, Joy Hummel, but I, I did not know about Dorothy Wolfolk. That, that's crazy that she mm-hmm. started out that early with another editor. Oh, we might have to do an episode, a research episode into the early history, early editorial history of DC, because it is absolutely fascinating. I mean, there were pro athletes that National slash DC used to reach out to, to. Um, uh, sponsor, you know, like Wonder Woman issues, and then there was the uh, the Wonder Woman, the Wonder Women of History segment that they used to put in the back of Wonder Woman issues. Like it, it was absolutely fascinating. Oh wow! And then it all kind of, and then it changed when Bertha attacked. <laughs> that Avatar <Why>? reference. <laughs> Frederick Bertha made comic books sad. 
that have been shaved when Wortham attacked. You know, we might actually have to double back some of the old seduction of the innocent episodes on here. I think. Please, yes. I would love to just spend like a half hour like roasting Wortham. That would be so much fun. And see, the worst part about Wortham is that he actually did really good work in his psychological field. Because, you know, yep. he provided a low-cost psychiatric help to, like, people in Harlem in, like, the 30s. And so, like, how do you weight that against, like, you know, pushing the narratives that, you know, Wonder Woman was turning girls into lesbians because she was independent and strong? Oh, my God. Well, yeah. no, well, that was the whole thing that happened because Wortham went to, to, went to the government and said that Wonder Woman was, was, was being too independent. He said Batman and Robin were a gay couple and like making them turning the men gay. And then what, what did he do about Superman? Man? He said Superman was basically pushing Nazi philosophy and was a fascist, even though, you know, Siegel and Schuster being his creators, you know. We're Jewish! This guy's on the money. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and then he was like, "We need to get rid of horror comics and werewolfism." And I'm like, "Bro, this is this is too much." Wow, he sounds like a real kooky guy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and the the actual book is hysterical because you know, talking about uh, you know, because you guys know, anytime you know, something violent happens. Video games are usually the thing to blame right now. Um, It's the same argument, you know, saying that crime comics were going to add to juvenile delinquency and sexual confusion and uh, deviancy and all of these kinds of things. And it, it is just the sheer moral panic that it created was insane. And the comic industry kind of had to band together and the comic code authority was self-censorship to prevent the u.s government from coming in and censoring it like there were congressional hearings about this yep like the whole thing was just absolutely batshit bonkers wait if 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 wortham's the fire nation would that make stan lee the avatar because he's the one that finally broke the comics code maybe i don't know we'd have to like lay that out (laughs) <laughs> see i almost feel like jack kirby would be the avatar because he just kind of created everything that's true that's very true i'll, I'll give you that anyway like i said i've had more than a little scotch tonight so i'm a little loosey-goosey so if i go off on a tangent any one of you guys might have to pull me back in i got you <laughs> and Kind of jumping into the topic tonight of just kind of discussing um, particularly women who create comic books. And there are a lot of notions that, you know, personally me as a as a woman think is dumb that we see pushed a lot. Because women have loved comic books since the beginning. Mm. There are countless books from the Golden Age where you have, you know, lady scientists, you know, solving mysteries with Jill Trent Science Sleuth. Um, Betty Bates, Lady at Law, who was a lawyer who knew jujitsu and had a gun and went around busting criminals. Uh, Fun fact about Betty Bates, before Daredevil, uh, before Matt Murdock, she was the longest running lawyer in comics. I did not know that. Yeah, and so, you know, we've had, you know, not not to mention, you know, Wonder Woman running around. So there were a lot of female characters running around, and they weren't just romance comics. Because, you know, when you think of it, my ferret is throwing a fit right now. Um, um, oh my god, between Scotch and the ferret, I completely lost my train of thought. When you think about it, women oh. and whatnot. Um, when you think about, you know, women in comics, you tend to think a lot about romance comics. And the romance comics really didn't step into prevalence until the Silver Age, after Wortham. So I think that there is that interesting divide there with what happens when you combine comic books with moral panic. Mm. And that will have to be a discussion for a later date or I could sit here and go on for hours about, you know, a lot of it being conjecture, but um, 
I think the first question that I really kind of want to talk about tonight is that um, top tier, and these questions are really in no order. It's just kind of what I think would be interesting to talk about. Uh, top tier books of the big two, and I mean books like Batman, Superman, Justice League, Avengers, Captain America. <clears throat> you guys know the books I'm talking about. Yeah. They have seldomly been written by women. I think the most famous case is probably Louise Simonson's legendary run with Superman. And she is one of the best Superman writers. Why do you think that is? I'm interested to kind of see the range of perspective. Travis, you want to go first? On... Hmm. No. (laughs) Okay, I got you. Um, See... I think, and it, 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 I think a lot of it has to like sort of like coincides, like is is it also adjacent to a lot of the conversation we've been having with people of color writing comic books recently, where you have them being put into a box and and them not thinking they can tell men's stories, and it, it get like the, the, the my immediate thought is like some j- jerk dude going, "Ha, you're a woman, you don't know how we get down," and it's like that kind of thought process that I think some idiot editor probably thinks that like somebody like that someone can't walk in and tell an amazing story. Like we have Kelly Sudeikonic right now that's kicking butt on Aquaman. And it's like, yeah, she's, she wrote a story about Mara having a new child because she hasn't had a new child since the nineties, but like, it's still a great story and Aquaman's still the main character. So it's like the, the thought process of saying that women can't write, write a, a, a book for men or for male readers is, like pretty dumb hell you have um i was watching a documentary uh that they were like there i forget her name but like a woman was the first one to help pitch sesame street so and like she was one of the main writers on the show and she was telling stories for every kid of every age so the idea of saying that women can't really write stories for men kind of baffles me but the track record with the big two obviously shows that it's probably some of the thought process. That's, that's kind of where my headspace is for that one. Uh, I mean, why I wanted to go second is because it feels like, like exactly what you said in the first place. Like when you take these iconic characters that are generally written by men and are men, men will be like, you're going to girl up my man. And it's, uh, it's frustrating to be honest with you. Cause it it doesn't like your gender doesn't determine if you can write a good story or not, and it's yeah. always treated as such. If that makes any sense. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And quality writing really knows no gender. Like, yeah. like Dennis Hopeless wrote an amazing Spider Woman run where she was pregnant, but we don't judge him for it. Like, what's the freaking problem? And Louise, yeah. Sang- and what about the men that write women terribly, like Brian Azzarello, for example? Ooh, preach. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sorry. His Wonder Woman was terrible. His Birds of Prey was canceled. <laughs> oh, but no. But he still gets the right women. However, will we You know what I mean? Though I'm, I am digging uh, the new Cassandra costume for the, um, the, the new Birds of Prey book. Mm, I like that bad. It's pretty dope. But yeah, like, and also, it's like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the idea, and plus, we have men. I can't get I get my IPA bottle open. Um, we have men who have been writing women in comics forever. Like, granted, um, Marston created Wonder Woman, but that doesn't mean Marston is the only person who can't who can tell a Wonder Woman story. And it's like you you have men who have been spent like like not even, not even Marston because Marston was a trailblazer, but like you have men who have been writing these like overly sexualized women for years, but then. Then and they think they're the overall authority on how to write a woman in comics, but that does that mean men, women can't write men? No, it's 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 the exact opposite. So I I don't I don't know. I think I probably should have like organized these questions a bit better. Again, Scotch brain is running here, <laughs> but you're good. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that comic books have been very heavily gendered since the silver age obviously um 
obviously I wasn't reading Golden Age comics at the time. And there are very few people left who can tell us what that culture was like. But from going back and looking at the, you know, Golden Age comics I've been able to get my hands on, and I'm not even talking, you know, BC, Marvel largely did not exist in the Golden Age. And I'm tired of explaining that to people that the only real golden age heroes that Marvel had were Captain America, Namor, and the Human Torch. Those are He was a robot. Yeah. Those are their big three golden age heroes. So Marvel really as we know it did not exist in the in the, in the golden age, excuse me. And so I tend to leave them out a lot because it's dumb. And I've refused to refer to the Silver Age as the Golden Age of Marvel because no, that's not how history works. <laughs> That's not how that works at all. I mean, obviously, that's not to disrespect Marvel or anything like that. It's just that it, it gets confusing for a lot of people. I mean, I know we devoted a whole episode last week to Robin, which, funnily enough, they want to say that Batman and Robin were gay, and the gay guy wanted to do an episode about Robin. But anyway, um, like I like just, I think it's proven it, James. You're just ruining everything. <laughs> I've, pro- I've proven Mars did it. I've proven it right. But um, I think um, I lost my train of thought because I made a joke. Um, where was I going with that? <laughs> well, well, where did I start that thought at? Maybe we all shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I've only had I've only, I've only had one bottle. Anyway, um, I think the big issue that I see is that, like, just because like, like I, I've had a couple people tell me that, oh, you guys are just the DC podcast. Like, no, 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 no. I love everything. Hell. We 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 did a whole episode of Wolverine. We we have other X Men ideas floating around. I mean, we we are about to do a whole thing about Wildstorm, but like that don't mean we 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 don't love the big two. Like we we have some indie ideas coming up. So I mean, we do have a clear bias, but a little bit. But like we still can't like like both of the of our children. I mean, yes, we have a preference, and everybody does. I mean, and if they say they don't, they're lying to you. Yeah, I mean, because because it's just how these—that's just how these things works. Like, yes, I like DC, I like Marvel, but I like DC more. So everybody has a preference, and the three of us just kind of bond over the same DC here. We bond over the same DC heroes. So you know, sometimes we go a little too hard one way and not enough the other. Yeah, Gotham for life. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Most of, I mean, though I I I really need them to like put Rick Grayson away for a while, please. <laughs> but... Eventually, he has to do talent things. Well, no, no, no. Now he's not even talent. If, like, if, like if you, if you read last week's issue, well, not last week, last month's issue of Nightwing, and then this week's like this week's coming coming up issue of Nightwing, we're finally getting some some progression. But it's like now Joker War is a thing. And Titan's just like, hey, can you hold up a little bit longer? And I'm like, no! Titan, I love you, but no! <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, Rick Grayson is, is pretty bad. My I name's not Rick! Okay, sorry, man. <laughs> You're good. Oh, that whole saga has just been hysterical to listen to. Mm. But, you know, reading what I have from the Golden Age... Yes, there is a separation between quote-unquote boys' comics and quote-unquote girls' comics. But at the end of the day, it was mostly, you know, for a good chunk of it, punching Nazis kind of thing. And Wonder Woman punched just as many Nazis as, you know, Batman and Superman did. But it was after Seduction of the Innocent that I think we really started to see kind of the separation. I mean, romance comics got really huge in the late 50s, early 60s, through to the 70s. I mean, romance comics were popular for a long time. And both companies have actually, at different points in time, kind of tried to revive their romance serials. Because um, DC has become much more tongue-in-cheek about it. Because the last couple of years, they've done like a cosmic romance uh, Valentine's Day issue. Mm-hmm. And Marvel famously bungled it with Trouble. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Trouble was a Spider-Man-esque comic that was kind of meant to be a revival of the old Marvel romance comics. And 
it did not work. No Aunt May and Ben Parker bone and then Aunt May and <clears throat> Peter's mom. And it, it wasn't in continuity, but it was very clear. I say it is. Wait. <laughs> okay, so like, so like there was this thing. There was this thing where they pitched it as as, as a as a like a rival romance, not like Mary just said. And the idea was that May banged uh, Ben Parker and cre- and created um Peter. And the whole time they, they they just hid it from him. So it's like And then Aunt, Aunt May gave the baby to Ben and his wife, and that baby is strongly, strongly implied to be Peter. Well. Yeah. Um if you can find a copy, it is an absolutely insane read. Absolutely insane. It was written by Mark Millar, if that helps. Because <laughs> I feel wild. I feel like that makes a lot of sense if it was written by Mark Millar. Yeah, it does. But you know, it, it was kind of after that, you know, seduction of the innocent divide, where we really kind of started to see romance comics become popular, and they were. I'm not sitting here trying to argue that romance comics weren't popular, but I don't think that the comics industry quite understood that girls were still reading superhero comics. And I'm going to say some things that might be deemed controversial or what have you. When have we not been controversial? (sighs) Fair point. I feel like it was sometime in the 90s that comic books kind of forgot that girls like comics too. Because the 90s was a very special time in comic books. <laughs> where, you know, we we just had the speculator market collapse. Um, Marvel was looking, was staring bankruptcy in the face. Like, it was not a good time. And that's when we kind of really started to see the hypersexualization of them. Of, you know, the infamous Sue Storm costume where the four is cut out of her boobs. That, I hate that suit so much. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Have you seen that shit? <laughs> oh, I was getting. I was uh, no lie. I'm excited to talk about neckbeard artists. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I think it was really that time period where comics just kind of forgot that women liked them too. And a big argument that we see pushed by part of the fan base is that comic books are for men that they have always been for men they are written by men for men just men that's a lie that you know we, we've kind of started... oh my god oh i knew you never seen it i knew you freaking never saw it i knew it <laughs> yep. oh, who's this artist i feel like it's the same guy who drew starfire in like the early 2000s James just threw up a picture of the Sue Storm Fantastic Four costume I was just talking about. She's got her stomach. I, I literally out. just typed. I literally just typed Sue Storm boob window into the, th- into the <laughs> thing, and, ha- and half of Google Images was Power Girl, and half of it was Sue Storm. Oh my god, that is terrible. So take that image in your mind, Travis, and then compare it to superhero costumes from the eighties. Do you kind of see the bridge that I'm talking about after the collapse? Yeah, this is not a bridge. (laughs) This is a cliff. Yeah, because I mean, you know, even Starfire in the 80s was very risque. But I feel like there was something that wasn't quite as sexual about it. Maybe it's just George Perez. Maybe it's just his artwork that made it seem a bit more tasteful. But... This just seems like on display for booby purposes, I guess. And like no other reason at all. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be an episode that I'm going to listen back to. I'm just going to tell you that now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Too much scotch. It's, it's, like, it's like that Starfire costume where she has basically like an, an ace bandage. Like oh god, are you back. talking about are you talking about the um the new fifty two costume? 
Yeah. Well, there was there was that Red Hood and the Outlaws number one where like the first issue came out and you could just see straight nipple. You couldn't see nothing else. And then they went back in the trade in the digital. We're like, okay, cool. We'll cover it up. We'll put some opacity on there. I'm like, bro, it's too late. It's too late. Michael Turner, <laughs> I think. That's it was I'm either Michael about. Turner or it was Rockefeller. I can't remember which one it was. That's what I mean when I say like the neckbeard artist. It's like, oh like, yeah, these characters are so much more interesting than just the physical features that the artist found attractive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exactly like to to go in, back into Mary's point. Like these people just forgot that girls read comics. You know. And- now, I just want to be upfront with the fact that I don't think that there is anything wrong with sex appeal in comics. I, I don't. Not one bit. Oh, no. No. Like, and then there was even the whole conversation when Captain Marvel happened and you had all the dumbass dudes calling her Carl Manvers because she wore a whole bodysuit. And it's like, bro, are you for real? Like, are we really doing this? And like, it was like 2018 when it started. And it was like, why can't we have the girl be in a full bodysuit? Like, does she need to have the bodysuit wrap around her whole breast just so she has the accent? Like, no, stop it. But, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with sex appeal in comics. And, you know, I think that kind of makes the fantasy of it a bit more fun at times. Because, you know, to a certain degree, men are just sexualized. I mean, your average man does not look like Bruce Wayne or Superman. I mean, just ripped to shreds, muscles on top Bro. of muscles. Like, your biceps have smaller Brazilian abs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we tried to put his, his penis out in the world, and everyone got mad. <laughs> I, I bought that book just for that. Just to Same! Get, just, just to kind of hold on to it, and just, you know, can I sell it later? It's like 50 you bucks want Batman now. with dick that's not another person? Batman damned. If you won. But I, I don't want you guys to think I'm sitting here kind of like, you know, clutching my pearls, crying sexism, because, you know, like, I, I like looking at sexy women in comics, too. You know, I, I like women. And so that, that probably skewers me a little bit, because I, I kind of just, it's really hard to describe my attitude about it, that, you know, you look at the Sue Storm boob window thing. I think that kind of crosses the line into a little too much, in my opinion. But, yeah. you know, the Miss Marvel swimsuit costume, I love that costume just because of how ridiculous it is. Like, she's wearing a one piece with a lightning bolt and then inexplicably a sash for a soft feminine touch. Like, yeah. right. And then, like, now that we're on the subject of boob windows, Power Girl? Power Girl. I can't with that thing. Like, yeah, but they, and like you had, there, wasn't that like that whole controversy for years where like different artists just kept making her boobs bigger in the boob window? There is a great crossover uh, with Power Girl and Wonder Woman that Gail Simone wrote, and it is absolutely hysterical because at one point they have to team up, and you know it's been a number of years since I've read it, but Gail Simone kind of likes to play with the um, sexualization of women in comic books, because Power Girl makes kind of a meta line about how uh, one time she was eating an ice cream cone, and she made some nerd very rich. So, you know, you, you think about Power Girl eating a vanilla ice cream cone, and then things that happen after that. Oh, mm. <laughs> And so it, it's kind of like, you know, meta-commentary from Gail, but it's, it's done in a very tongue-in-cheek kind of way. And I think I like to kind of line it up with the way Gail Simone plays with it a little bit. That, you know, sexy people are just going to look sexy in comics, but I think that there is a line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why just put sue store because like, we're gonna have to tweet this picture of sue in the costume yeah. since we're using it so heavily as a reference but like why cut out the stomach window at all and just like not make it a bikini top like tactical yeah. advantage oh my god <laughs> i mean is it like is it supporting to keep her boobs up like i i don't know bro like it like it, it looks like someone tried to make sue starfire and it just didn't work and why do we need the bands that are above? Wait, are those blue bands connected to the? They're not. They're just there. What the is? 
she just oh good lord like they're, Yo, they're, they're like sweatbands for her thighs and it's like the fuck are you doing bro? <laughs> for her thighs that's what it's really like am i wrong okay. she has nothing covering her shoulders she has a boob window she has a stomach cut out but she needs that high collar yeah that's what that's a that's some jim lee new 52 shit right there like, it, it's just like <laughs> it hurts me on so many levels <laughs> Like it's speaking of Jim Lee, she's got shit. Wear evening buffs. Oh my god! <laughs> they all went up to her biceps too. Oh no, Sue, honey, who are you? <laughs> but to, to kind Is of this how she has a little further? I found looking looking at Michael Turner's Starfire. Uh, oh no! There's they have Starfire Bishujo figures. And I am freaked out. <laughs> oh, oh god, those oh, things no. creep me the hell out. It is the only Batwoman statue I don't have. <laughs> oh no! How do you spell that? B i s h o u j o. What the fuck it's am not... I about to look up? You're about to look up some woo woo shit. <laughs> uh, oh no, honey, no. Mary Marvel, what, what have they done to you? <laughs> they got me, man. They got me. Ma oh, Mary, no. Raven, honey, no. Oh, oh. That that Batwoman kind of looked fly though. I will get I, that 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 dude looked kind of cool. She has like what, what? she has like two different heads, and it weirds me out. It, it, yeah, I'm, this is a category I should have never googled. Yo, I kind of want this Tim Drake Red Robin one though. Wait, a Red Robin Bushido figure? <laughs> it, like, he's winking at me too. Damn it! Oh, thank God it's eighty dollars. I can't afford it. Eighty dollars. <laughs> but you know, taking everything that we've talked about, you know, we have the tastefully revealing, as I like to call it, you know, just costumes that look cool for the sake of looking cool versus, you know, this Sue Storm costume, which is, I don't know. And, it, it, and it's like, it's meant to put it like, like on display. Like, it, it, it's yeah. But and, and don't get me wrong. You can make women look attractive without making them look like hoes. Like, like and also don't, don't like don't get me wrong. I like like adult adult uh, 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 workers. Y'all ha y'all have y'all place and y'all y'all are valid. I I'm just saying like taking a hold, it, James. I know, right? But it's like <laughs> it, what, what I'm saying is like look at someone like um Art Germ who drew an amazing cover for when Fantastic Four came back, and Sue full body suit looked good compared to like the rest of the team that like Art Germ can make anyone look good. God damn, Ben Grimm looked fucking awesome in that art. So it's like, I think we need to stop acting as if we have to, like, cut out pieces of their costumes to make them look sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Emma Frost get a full shirt someday? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, in, in, in comparison, look at um, Adam Hughes's Black Canary, particularly on the Justice League of America cover. And, you know, because she's got the leather jacket, she has kind of, you know, that black swimsuit thing going on, and then she has the fishnets and the fishnets are a huge part of her character and i love the fishnets so i think there is a difference when a costume is done tastefully and when it is done to be overt i think is the line that i'm trying to cross is the, yeah. the line that i'm not trying to cross but i'm trying to explain and i think it's a very fine line and i think it honestly depends on the intent but you know taking all of these costumes and all of these theories that we've talked about after the speculator crash and after we saw the extreme 90s where, you know, women suddenly had no internal organs and, and <laughs> men were larger than they should be. Also Lightfield. Why do you think that comics pulled back so hard to try and say comic books are for men? Why? Because, I mean, you know... Because women... of this exact picture in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 like, we, we can even mark, mark the point. Like, because you have the early 2000s where they were kind of, like, straddling the line of, like, Hey, comics can be for both, 
But like there was a lack of women comics. Granted, that's when like Gail Simone had Birds of Praise. There was still some good stuff going on at that point. But like the definitive line where it was debatable if DC specifically gave a crap about women was the new 52. And the reason why I say that is, yes, we had good things like Birds of Prey and Gale back on Bat- Batgirl and stuff like that. But that costume, Wonder Woman eating a freaking choker because of her because of her costume on the Justice League. Um, how dumb they made her at the beginning, where she was like new to the world and didn't know what the fuck was going on, and like, Ugh. yeah, Saint Mary just because she knows, and it's like. Or like how we talked about last week on the, on the on the Robin episode, how in the first issue of Red Hood and the Outlaws, Starfire is the dumbest alien bimbo you could ever meet in your entire life who just walks up to Roy Harper and goes, you want to have sex with me? And it's like, like they wrote the books with the mindset of, we just have like teenage ed- edgelords writing our books. So we don't care about the women representation. Like Supergirl was a freaking rage monster during the New 52 to the point they like, went in a completely different direction and made her more like the TV show when they rebooted her in the, new, in the DC Rebirth. I actually kind of like Red Lantern Supergirl. Oh, you, li- you like that? I like Red Lantern Supergirl. Okay. Fair enough. Is this Fair enough. the Supergirl that was in the, the Hell on Earth arc? Because I definitely liked her. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember that like she was this like rage monster even before she put on the Red Lantern ring and like no one bought the book and I, I just I knew there was some negativity there. Well, she was good on Hell on Earth and Diana beat her ass. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Travis, what are your thoughts on like the the, the men only comics thing? Um, I think it's pretty much like the nail on the head of the whole thing. And what's what's worse is that like it doesn't it it doesn't just affect the women in comics; it affects the men too. With the <coughs> this is how I imagine myself with a bazillion abs <laughs> and uh... random alien hot women asking to have sex with me. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's it's it feels real James T. Kirky from from my perspective, and the sexy green mega women. Yeah, yeah, and I would personally like some more, not Age of Ultron Joss Whedon, but Firefly Joss Whedon in my comics. Mm-hmm. That's what I need. Where the women are like in Firefly, they're they're possibly sexualized in a few parts of the show, but they all stand on their own, every single one. Mm-hmm. From the engineer to oh God, the the, the baddest female alive, Kay- Kaylee, of course. I forget Wash's wife's name. Zoe. Zoe. Gina. Okay. Gina Torres, just ah, uh. dude. But just loading up shotguns, like I'm not getting out of here alive, y'all. It's fine. <laughs> but and I think I kind of figured out how I want to put it. I I think there is a difference when. A woman in comics, you know, like Black Canary. A woman who looks sexy versus a woman who looks exploitative. Because, I mean, just the comparison. Because, you know, we're going to have to put up all these pictures that James has in the chat. Yep. Because we have that Hughes cover of Black Canary. You know, she's cracking her knuckles and she's like, okay, who's next? And then you have Starfire. And it's just... God bless you, Kenneth Rocker, for it, but, like, no. And it's just, I I still, you know, as a woman, as a lesbian, as a comic book fan, I find myself drawn to the Black Canary cover more because there's something more interesting about it. Like, this is a character I want to get to know more than booby orange girl starfire you know and being a comic book fan there's so much more to starfire than just that costume you know yes there is like it's really frustrating and you know i like sexy women and i like you know sexy women in comics but there is a line where it just kind of crosses over into gross and to kind of piggyback on what Travis is saying is that not only are these kinds of things damaging to women, they're also really damaging to men. Because, you know, it almost, you know, and this is going to be some conjecture on my part, but I feel like it tries to push the narrative that all men are, are chest thumping, you know, goddessy who's, you know, who's the manliest. Um, now that we're men, we're men in uh. tights. But I mean, they're you all know, real docs. They're all Brainiac Five. 
<laughs> I've had scotch and I don't give a shit anymore, but I feel like it kind of boils men down to the notion that y'all have to see who has the bigger dick. And, you know, you have no other thoughts other than muscles and boobs. Like, I feel like it's an insult to women to have them portrayed in such kind of a gross, exploitative way. But it's also an insult to men saying that, you know, you can't possibly be interested in a storyline if women, if Starfire's not wearing an ace bandage across her shoulders and pasties. I'm still more insulted that Carol Danvers doesn't have a status quo. I don't give a crap that she's freaking sexy. Like, like I, 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 I did it that like you want to have her do cool shit, Kelly Thompson. But can we get her a status quo, dang flabbit? That'd be too difficult for Marvel. Yeah, I, I think one really like really like hard <clears throat> line to draw in the sand is that like if the scripts were flipped, right? If we got a Dick Grayson dressed like this Starfire, people would lose their shit. Bro, the community literally started making comments about D Dick's butt, and now it's like a thing to the point Nicholas Scott, Scott put his butt out on the, the cover of, of our anniversary issue. Like, it, it like the the fandom sexualized Nightwing more than DC did. I think it kind of it, it also got included as a joke in um, Grayson book. Yep. Because Midnighter makes a comment of, you know, oh, I know that ass kind of a thing. So I think it was kind of meta fan commentary that was kind of pulled into the character. And I think that it's a funny joke. And it's funny because it of it's funny because of how absurd of, of the absurdity of it. But, you know, like you said, if they put, you know, Nightwing in something like that, I would have just as much of a problem with it, you know? Mm-hmm. That I think you can look cool and you can look badass, but kind of once you cross into the weird exploitation, it gets kind of awkward. Yeah. And I think... This vision. Yeah, and I think with this new 52 Starfire costume that we're looking at, I think a costume in that style could look cool with the right body design, you know? That... I don't know what's going on in, with her stomach and her ribcage and her boob. Yeah, she's, like, malnourished, but has more breasts than most women, like, enjoy having. Yeah. Hell, hell say, say what you will about um, Mike, Michael Turner, Travis. He did a version of Starfire in her OG suit that looked freaking gangster. And, like, I'm about yeah, to drop I've it. Seen that. And it's like, like, like that was I was included in the DC encyclopedias they put out for years because it's such a well done version of her old Marv Wolfman suit. So there's a way to make a girl look sexy without being exploitative. I mean, I, I get that, but I just I don't know. Michael Turner's drawing, it's hard to escape that image that he yeah, left previously. True. Like yeah. he does really well. This is a really like nice rendition of the first one. But on the same hand, I'm left like Man, what's with these boots? <laughs> what's with these boots? What happened to her knees, though? Like, <laughs> not how <laughs> knees were. See, unfor right. unfortunately for me, that when it comes to, you know, looking at, you know, costumes that are deemed exploitative and whatnot, I really start to critique body design after that because you know when it comes to artists like you know I'm just I'm gonna name a name here, but when it comes to artists like J. Scott Campbell. I think let's go. We we already we we here. Let's do it. I think something that grosses me out about him the most is his body construction. Like, you. Mm -hmm. I mean, he suffers from horrific same face syndrome. All of his character, all of his women have the same faces, regardless of who the character is. He makes Storm look like every woman in the room. Yeah, and. I always think it's fun to, because, you know, something I'll do with Victoria is, you know, when I get a ridiculous comic book, I'll open it up and I'll laugh about boob physics, is what I like to call it. <laughs> is that, you know, you, you know, women with comics, you know, women in comics having big boobs, whatever, you know. But just when those boobs defy physics and gravity, it's just hysterical. And 
it's so stupid and it pulls you up right out of the art and story. So, you know, his boob physics are terrible, but his body construction is just kind of gross. And, you know, I get that art is subjective and I get that this, this whole conversation is subjective and there are instantly, you know, 17 bazillion people who disagree with everything we're saying on here. But this is our show, Ed, not yours. So we can say whatever we want. A freaking men. So, you know, Scotch Mary. Um, I'm not more like Scotch Ale, bro. Mary. <laughs> and then, like, Ale, Ale James is just like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, we've completely lost any and all structure in this episode, but it's kind of fun just to shoot the shit out of these things. And, yep. you know, J. Scott Campbell's art, I, I think it's gross because. There, there was oh. a point where I actually enjoyed this dude, and then it was like, I started looking at all the women, and I was like, Bro, your dudes look baller as hell, but then, like, can you stop wrapping the whole costume around her boob, please, and, like, draw her normally? See, with me, it's largely, like, you know, I, I feel like at this point in time, he does it to be gross, you know? I don't think he's a pervy or creepy person or anything like that. For me, it's all about the art. I don't know enough about Campbell to form an opinion on his personality. I, I know he loves it when people shit talk his art online because it's free publicity for him. Yeah. But um I just don't, I don't like his body construction. Like I think it's really gross. And I think the one piece that in a, in a while that I haven't hated by him was his Stanley tribute picture cuz like not all the women looked horrible. I mean then there was the whole controversy with his Ironheart cover. Mm. Because in the original image um riri had her stomach on full display like you know the stomach when she's a teenager and she's like 15 and then there was enough backlash that he just covered over it with the iron man suit or with her uh, iron heart suit excuse me and i think i don't know like i think sexualization is different than sexy if that makes any sense you know it's yeah. very different look at chris anka in comparison to j scott campbell sexy yes. versus sexualization and i think sexy is a lot more fun bro chris anka draws shirtless men like nobody else and i fucking love it oh yeah i have his um his black cat cover and oh my god it is amazing um Let's see what Nick Robles has been doing, you know, kind of a beefcake fan art calendar of all the X-Men right now. And, you know, it, it has been really entertaining. I think the one he put out uh, most recently is Dakin. And I Can a brother get a link? <laughs> and I think, you know, when it's done a certain way, it looks good. But, you know, when it's... <sighs> I feel like there is that imaginary line that's, you know, meant to be sexy and cheesy. And then it, there is the line that just crosses into gross. And, you know, it's one toe over the line kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. See, when you say that, I literally, I just think I just found the line. But it's this uh, Detective for Hire cover with Misty Knight on the front. Okay. Yeah. But it's like she's not she's not scantily clad, but those clothes are painted on. <laughs> Mary, can it's, you get can you give me this calendar, please? It's really awful. Oh no, it's it's not an actual calendar. He's been releasing them like they were, you know, those fireman calendars. Is it like Twitter? Yeah, it's on Twitter. Can you spell that last name for me, please? <clears throat> I think it's Rubbles. I meant to go to his table at C2E2, but there were so many people around it, I never actually got there. Dope. So, I mean, like, that's, well, yeah, no. that's great for him. I'm glad I wasn't, I'm glad I, his table was so busy that I wasn't able to get through, but, like, I'm disappointed because I wasn't able to get to his table, you know? Sad Mary. Sad Mary is sad. But, oh, uh, I, I, this, this was a very good venting episode for us, guys. Yeah. I, I've got. Oh, I got that cover. Let me drop it. I, I have at least a couple more points that I want to try and hit because I mean we've com- let's go. We've completely derailed. Mm, oh, that, that that you know. That's the line. See what I mean? That's the line. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't eat her vagina in my face like that. I like me some misty night, but damn, 
man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm liking this Dakin right here, though. Hello. How, how you doing? Ooh. But, like, I don't know. Even just comparing Misty Knight to this Dakin, I, I do feel like there is a difference, you know? Because we know the intent behind the Dakin art is that it is meant to mm. look like one of those sexy fireman calendars. Mm-hmm. I actually found a sexy fire lady calendar at one point, but they were sold out. <laughs> Damn. So close. I was so close. <laughs> this was supposed to be meant to be like this this deep uh, discussion about, you know, women and comic books. And we've just sat here and bitched about everything. We, we sat here and bitched about the stupidity of men drawing women. And it's like, it's been kind of nice. We might- I mean, honestly, though. Look at this shit. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I know what, you know, if, if certain people get their heads in this episode, it's going to be like, oh, <clears throat> you know, this woman hates blah, 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 you know, the, the, the typical shit that they throw around. And it's, <clears throat> you know, I, I like sexy women in comics. I do. But I think, you know, I, I know I keep repeating myself, but I think there's a difference between sexy and sexualization. And Most of. I think sexualization, it gets to be a bit of a headache because it is so prevalent. And I think it is damaging to women because it's exploitation for, you know, just bullshit. And I think it's damaging to men because it's usually really gross artwork and I like to think you know men are more than that yes yeah cause average niggas don't look like dick in here like mm. <laughs> mm. as you can see case in point also I found this misty night that I I had hopes for and then I noticed it had uh, nipple highlights in my eyes man what oh that's that mm. It was cool until the shirt had nipple highlights. What is this, Batman and Robin? I just... Oh, dear lord. Oh, dear lord. It's perfectly fine without the nipples. Right. Like, guys, can you spare me? (laughs) Like, spare me the stupidity for, like, two minutes, please. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's, it's touches like that, that, you know, yeah. it, it takes a cool costume and makes it sexual because boobs, you know. And I get that costumes and, you know, comic books, they're, you know, they're meant to be power fantasies and things like that. But, yeah, it's just, it is so absolutely befuddling to me that, yeah, yeah you know. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I'm running out of articulate ways to put this if I've put it articulately at all. You've done very well. Like I said, Scotch Mary has been flying the plane on this episode. I, I mean, I could put it in the best way possible like that I could think of. Shoot. Go for it. Maybe certain men should not have cave painting. <laughs> Damn. That, bravo, sir. <laughs> You are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> I'm choking on 12-year-old scotch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and that, that I, I mean, honestly, though, because like I'm trying to find something remotely modest for Misty Knight, and it's just not there. Uh, Captain America Sam Wilson, Misty Knight. Uh, try Fearless Defender. She looked pretty good in that. Because Captain America Sam Wilson issue like two or three had a really cool like her behind Cap Wolf that looked kind of decent. Yeah, I, I found a couple boob windows. Like, ugh. I mean, I think boob windows. I think boob windows can be fun if framed in like a meta context, like with Power Girl. Is that these days it's largely kind of played as a joke because you know Gail Simone plays it as a joke. Um, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti they play it as a joke. And I mm. met them in C2E2, and they're absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yes. So, is there, like, how do we want to wrap this one up, Mary? Oh, Lord have mercy. I don't know. We'll have to go back and do a dignified episode later that's just not me, you know, bitching about, you know... Stupid s- men. Sexualized. And it's not even stupid men. It's just, you know, gross art choices. 
and you know there are plenty of you know men who draw these women and they draw them so sexy and so perfect you know you have you've got chris anka and adam hughes and all of these other artists who do such a great job at you know making these women look sexy but making them look powerful at the same time you know well if if like if we had if we had to like if we had to put like this was the part one of us highlighting women on like an ongoing saga how would you like to close this part one of like in, in a way? I would want to close it by uh, apologizing for trying to do a serious episode that we'll have to go back and do later. But if this is kind of part one, just looking at the issues of sexy versus sexualization, that sexualization. It, I don't know. I feel like it does comics no favors. I, I feel like it pulls it out of being a serious medium to, you know, guns and boobs. I'd like to think comics have moved beyond that. You know, if you're doing guns and boobs, that's fine, but just make sure there's, you know, decent art and a story. Like, and I, I don't know. I see if we had to water this episode down into a sound bite, I, I would say, you know, men drawing comics and the issues of sexy versus sexualization. There we go. All right. We'll have to revisit this because this was fun, but we, but like, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Mary. You, you are amazing. We'll have to do the proper women in comics episode another time. Almost deaf. Um, but like this, this was a good part one and a, and a good like venting tool. We're we've been so stressed with everything going on in the world. We've had comic cons being canceled. We have movies being pushed back because of this virus. It was nice to just take a couple sips and just relax. I've had like a fifth of a bottle of scotch. Whew. <laughs> well, damn. And I drink it neat. That's how you. That's how you're supposed to drink it. That's and, how you know this episode got thrown off track. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I, I like my final comment on this is going to be: if you have something to say and you can't drink your scotch neat, and it's not twelve years old like Mary's is now, shut the fuck up. Mary has bigger balls than you. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it so uh, much. Uh, all right, y'all. Don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great things. Working on iHeartRadio and P- Pandora currently, but those are not available yet. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast, and you can follow the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And check out the website where we put new reviews, opinion pieces, preview solicitations all the time for you good people every weekday for like doing and until the virus kills us we will carry on my wayward son so uh hey i'm sad supernatural has been pushed back too so i don't want to talk about it anyway um so travis what is your closing statement for this episode all right what was your what's your last statement your closing statement uh i mean i'll just expand on it further mary has more hair on her chest than anyone who's gonna bitch about this episode (laughs) just throwing it out there the lines in the stands. Oh my god! I love god it. Damn. I love you, Travis. Uh, it. <laughs> um, I just I can't drink scotch like that. I'll fucking die. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking Glenlivet tonight, and I'm gonna have to see if I can find another bottle. I, I want to see if I can find a 24 year old bottle, but oof, those things are expensive. Yeah, they are. Uh, Mary, what's your closing statement for the episode? Um, I meant to do a super serious episode about women in comics and the issues they face, but Scotch decided that I needed to do a Stitch and Bitch episode about, um, you know, bad comic book art and costumes in relation to women. Which is fair. Which is fair. I think I, I think we all just kind of needed a vent session, but we will revisit, um you know, women in comics and, you know, the structures they face and, you know, why haven't more women written these big two books, even though quality writing knows no gender, you know, anybody can be a quality writer with enough work. So revisit that in a slightly more sober conversation later. Death, because I'm over here on like bottle two and I'm like, "Mm, 
This was, this was fun. Uh, my closing statement is thank you, Voodoo Ranger, for your amazing Imperial uh, Ale. But also, um, a shout out to everybody who has worked on the Robin 80th anniversary issue. Um, my, my heart breaks for uh, uh, people like Marv Wolfman who pour their heart into their work. Um, it, like, it warms my heart. James Tynan the fourth. Um, all, all these amazing, like, like um, freaking Adam Beecham wrote the best Tim Drake story ever, and I thank him for it. But just, a, oh, please go pick up the 80th anniversary issue. We did a whole episode about it last week. Uh, please go check that out. Um, support women in comics because I, I really am frustrated with the current situation that we've been dealing with for the past like three, four years of just idiot mm-hmm. dude, idiot dudes acting like they, they, they know how to run shit and act like women can't be in comics when you got one of the baddest bitches in the room with us right now and she doesn't put up with any of that shit oh, shucks. <laughs> so it's like get over yourselves and let girls read these books because they've been reading them since before you were born and we've been having them create the books since before you were born so get over yourself uh we will catch you folks right here on the next episode of panel to panel where next week we'll be talking about uh the wild storm so get ready for that amazing time peace out